listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Mark Kirkendall. We're so glad you've joined us today. And as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Well, this morning, I want to invite you to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 again. We're at a very interesting section this morning. It's the next to last sermon. So next Sunday, we will close up the book of 1 Peter and we will be absolutely done uh, walking through uh, that book. But today, Peter is going to talk about a grace that every single church, whether it's in Namibia, whether it is in the United States, wherever it is, every church needs this grace. But he does something today that's really interesting. He presents today in, in an unusual way. He is going to talk specifically to a group of men, but he wants everyone else to kind of listen in. He's going to talk to them, but he wants to make sure that everybody else is hearing what he has to say. And this happens in our house all the time. You know, it's on Friday. I went and bought 72 granola bars, and by Sunday they're gone. You know, and so going to the oldest, who should be the example, the leader, and you talk to them, but you want the other gluttons to hear what's going on, because, uh, but you're going to talk to one, but everybody else needs to listen in. And that's kind of what this setting is for today. Peter is going to focus in on a group of men that he wants a, them to hear a special message. He's going to talk to a group of elders, but what he has to say to this group of elders, he wants everybody else that is in this church, that is hearing this letter read, he wants them to benefit from this. So he's going to share with this group of men a grace that every church needs. And he wants everyone to listen in on this conversation because we all need to hear about this grace that every church needs. And so he's going to speak to us this morning about a grace that every leader and follower and elder and deacon and teacher and servant and mother and child needs. And the grace that every person needs is the grace of humility. Humility is the grace that every church needs. And this is how I'd like to define humility. Humility is honestly seeing yourself in light of God's holiness. And that puts us in a certain reverence. And at the same time, honestly seeing ourselves in light of our sinfulness. And that keeps us in a constant state of dependence. So without an awareness of these two realities, we really fail to understand and to practice what the Bible will talk about is true humility. So let's listen in this morning from Peter and discover more about this grace that every church needs. So beginning the last chapter of 1 Peter, beginning in verse 1, this is how it reads. I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and as a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. So he begins with this word. He says, exhort. I means I want to encourage. I want to urge you. I want to appeal to you to listen to what I have to say this morning. And he says, elders. And elders at this time were the leaders of the church. The church is at this time only about 30 years old. But there's already an establishment of leadership 
And churches are to be led by elders. And Bethel, I'm happy to report, is an elder-led church. In fact, every week, if you have a bulletin, uh, it moves around some, but if you have a bulletin on the front, you see a list of our elders. We want you to know who they are. Every campus has elders, and all of these elders are a part of our larger elder body. Here at this campus, I hope that you know our elders. One of them stands right here, usually every Sunday morning, Drew Boring. Corey Mason is faithful. He's always leading our Connections class, so hopefully you know him. And almost every Sunday, you can't come through the front doors without seeing Kent Miller and Paul Keel. Those are our elders that are here, but they are a part of a, a, a larger elder body that we want you to know who they are. And these men have answered the call that God has offered to them to lead. And I can't tell you, as I look through these names, like Charlie Heaton and uh, Don Guigné, Winford Hodges, Johnny Russell, as crazy as that cat may be, uh, Don Real, as quiet as he may be, uh, I, I read these names and I'm so thankful for each and every one of these men. And I want you to know, if something ever happened to me, I would want my son to know that, son, these are men that you can follow. These are men that I want you to look to. These are men that, that will lead you in the right way. I, I want my son to know that those are men that I want him to become like. Notice what Peter does. He introduces himself. He calls these elders and he says, Elders, I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. But notice how he introduces himself about this grace that every church needs. He does three things in verse 1. He says, as a fellow elder, he also says, as one witnessing the sufferings of Jesus, meaning he was an apostle, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now, Peter could have pulled his superior card. Peter could have said, hey, listen up. You church elders. He says, I'm the first mega pastor ever. In fact, I preached my very first sermon and over 3,000 people got saved. A few days later, I stood on Solomon's porch. 5,000 people gave their lives to Christ. In fact, that's just counting the men. In fact, there were so many they probably couldn't even count. Peter could have said, you know what, that's not enough for you. Listen, I have walked on water, and there's only one other man that was able to do that. Peter could have said, you know, I stood at the transfiguration of Jesus, and I hung out with Moses and Elijah. He could have said, listen, I'm a pretty big deal if you haven't figured it out already. I'm a leader in God's kingdom in fact, I've got so many books to write and conferences I need to, to speak at. I, I'm kind of hard to get on your calendar. But no, Peter says, listen. He doesn't say any of that. And this is why. Peter just says, listen, I am one of you. I'm a fellow elder just as you are. Because Peter's identity is not wrapped up in what he does for Jesus. And so often... I know pastors and, and religious leaders, that's where they get their identity is in what they do for Jesus. But Peter gets his identity for what Jesus did for him. And he doesn't flaunt it. 
In fact, he comes to them, he says, listen, I'm just like one of you. And he sees himself in light of God's holiness, but he is also ever aware of his sinfulness. And that is seeing who you really are without Jesus. That's humility. That is the grace that every church needs. And Peter just simply identifies himself as a fellow elder. He says, I am one of you. I struggle just like you do. I fail just like you do probably more. I need Jesus' grace and his forgiveness as much as you do. And here's the amazing thing. Peter knew what it was like to be prideful. Peter was the one that stood up and said, Listen, Lord, if no one follows you, if everyone leaves you, I'll still be standing. And Peter knew what it meant to have his pride come crashing down on him and take him to the lowest of all places. Peter was humbled. But then our Lord meets him back on that sea of Galilee where he first called him and he restores him. All because it starts with humility. And that is the grace that every church needs. So Peter's now going to give some commands to these elders. And these are commands that, that come from God to them. And our elders, as the elders back then, need to understand this. And those that follow them need to also be aware. Look at verse 2 and 3. He says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those who are in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So the first command he gives them is to shepherd the flock. Exercising oversight over this group of people. But notice who this flock belongs to. The flock, us, the people, the sheep, we first belong to God. An elder does not own the people. The people belong to God and elders are to shepherd or to exercise oversight over this group of people. So what is, what is the responsibility of an elder? And we'll kind of get into some Discover Bethel topics now. So, so what is shepherding? Well, one... It means to feed. A shepherd is going to feed his flock. And our shepherds are to teach us God's word. That's one of the things an elder is called to do is to teach. And so we do that in a lot of ways. Every Sunday morning, Corey is faithful to lead our connections class. Man, it could be Paul Keel on a canoe trip sitting around a campfire and he's teaching God's Word. Every month you'll see an elder leading us in communion. They are teaching us, they are feeding us God's Word. But they also protect their flock. One of the ways that our elders protect us is they guard our doctrines, our core beliefs, and they make sure we are always in line and that truth is being taught and they are standing against false teaching each and every day. It happens in so many ways. It happens in their own families. It happens by Drew picking songs. Wants to make sure they're biblical and truthful. They're guarding our truth. I know if I ever say anything that isn't truthful... They are going to come and hold me accountable to that. So they guard us, they protect us. But they also care. So they feed, they protect, and they care. 
And one of the number one ways they do that is by providing spiritual counseling. These are men we can call on. These are men that we can go to for advice. These are men that we can call on to pray for us when we're going through difficult times or if we're needing certain healing, we can call the elders. They will come to our homes. They will meet us here and they will pray over us. So we need people, is what Peter is saying, to care for us. But we like to be people that don't think that we need that. I know that we can often feel like we have it all together and we don't need help. But we need people to care for us. And God has established elders to do that. We should not be afraid. We should not be scared. We should not be ashamed to call upon these elders. In fact, you might be robbing them of a blessing if we don't do that. We need to call on them. So then Peter now gets into the do's and don'ts. The overarching thing is they're to shepherd God's flock. They're to exercise oversight. But he's going to make sure that they understand how to do this. The first one he says, not under compulsion, but willingly. Meaning, not grudgingly uh, as a duty, but they should do it freely out of a heart that loves. So let me illustrate it, uh, the negative side of this by story. There's a young man, he said he fell asleep on a Sunday morning when his mom burst in. He said, wake up, son. You need to get out of bed right now. And with his face buried in his pillow, he responded with a muffled voice. He says, mom, give me three reasons why I should get out of bed. Engaging in that tug of war, you know, that goes on with the bed sheet. She said, one, because it's Sunday and as Christians, we always go to church on Sundays. Well, he moaned and. Uh, She said, two, because we only have 40 minutes until church starts and you haven't even showered. The man tried to ignore his mother. And she said, three, because you're the pastor and you need to be there. And I want you to know, I'm so thankful I've never felt that way. I'm always the first step. I'm ready to get here. I'm eager to get here. But we don't do it grudgingly. We do it out of a heart that says we want to do that. And that's what I'm so thankful for the Lord of Bethel Bible Church. Because every year I travel to seminary. I sit in a group of guys. And man, I hear the stories of their churches. And my heart breaks for them. And every time I leave seminary, uh, I walk away more and more thankful for Bethel. And I've said this often and I continue to say it. That if my family just moved to town, Bethel would be the place that we would want to attend. That we would, be, we would want to be a part of. And that we would want to serve. But elders are to shepherd, not under compulsion, but willingly. And then he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not greedy, thinking of the rewards that they might get, but hearts ready to serve the Lord. That they should lead not by doing things just to get noticed, so that others would think more highly of them, They're to do this in a way that they are humbly serving, even if no one ever knows what they have done. So they do it not under compulsion, he says, but willingly, not for shameful gain, whether that would be uh, money or whether it would just be prestige. But then he says, not domineering, but being godly examples. Meaning they're not bullying and they're not demanding people's respect to follow them. But they're leading by example. Elders don't drive people like a cowboy 
does his cattle. But he gets in front of them and he leads them, the Lord says, like a shepherd would his sheep. They're to lead by example. You know, and I think Peter fully embraced his calling as an elder. Man, he knew what it meant to walk with Jesus. He knew what it meant to be able to stand up and proclaim something and then to fall from grace. But this calling was one that eventually led to Peter's death. And Peter was not asking other elders to do something that he himself was not willing to do. He led by example. So now Peter's going to, in verse 4... Give the elders some motivation. So, elders, he says, the leaders, you are to shepherd God's people. You're to do it, not under compulsion, not for shameful gain, not domineering. But he says in verse 4, here's your motivation. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So, Peter, for the thousandth time, it seems, he directs his attention And he wants to direct the attention of his readers to the second coming of Jesus. Peter wants and encourages us to live as if Jesus could come back at any moment. And Jesus is referred to as the chief shepherd. So our elders, in a sense, are actually under shepherds. They follow the chief shepherd, and as we follow them. And Peter also says that elders will then receive an unfading crown of glory. Now, I've never seen this before, but I believe this is what this means. It means that the office of an elder, it is so great that it cannot be rewarded here. Because elders are God's way of leading His church Because the work is so great, because the work is so hard, because the work at times is so difficult then it cannot be rewarded here. And so that means for us that we need to be praying for these guys. They need our prayers. So Peter's now going to turn his focus to those that he hopes have been listening. And he's been targeting this group of elders. He said, shepherd them, exercising oversight. Don't do it by compulsion, not for shameful gain, and definitely not domineering. But do it because there is a reward coming that this world can't even hold. And then he turns his attention to everyone else in verse 5. And he says, likewise, or all this the same, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So likewise, he says, you who are younger, live under the authority of the elders. Now, Peter could be meaning the younger men of the group, or he could mean just anyone else. I think, in fact, he has both groups in mind. He says, all of you, if you're not an elder, I'm now talking to you. And he says, here's what you must do. You must clothe yourself, means to put on. In fact, he's talking about a servant's dress. And he says, clothe yourself with humility. Meaning, see yourself in the light of God's holiness and see yourself in light of your sinfulness. And to understand this, I think it's important to look at the opposite of what that picture might mean. Peter says, clothe yourselves 
with humility. So what would it mean to do the exact opposite of that? Well, the exact opposite of humility is pride. And pride is exactly what led to sin in the world. Lucifer wanted to be God. Pride. Adam and Eve took that apple. They listened to the serpent. They thought they knew better than God. Pride. So pride is something that meets you each and every morning. Because sin never sleeps. And every morning it is waiting there when you open your eyes. And pride, what it does, it tries to close the gap between you and God. It wants you to think that you're almost equals. Pride says, I want to be first. Pride says, you know what, I want to be noticed. I want to be thanked. Pride says, I know better. Pride says, I'm in charge. And pride tries to close that gap, to shrink that gap between you and God. But humility actually shows you how great the differences really are between you and God. Listen to the great John Stott on this. At every stage of our Christian development, and in every sphere of our life, of our Christian discipleship, Pride is the greatest enemy, and humility, our greatest friend. So Peter says, followers, clothe yourself with humility, because it takes a humble spirit to follow someone. Because naturally, we want to be in charge. But God has placed elders to lead, and we are to follow them. And we cannot do that if we do not clothe ourselves with humility. So elders, your job is to lead and to shepherd. In church, our responsibility is to humbly follow. And then Peter gives the reason for this. He quotes Proverbs 3.34 where he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Church, listen. The last place you want to be standing is toe-to-toe with the Almighty God. You do not want to be on the opposing side of God's holiness. You'll never be able to stand. But a humble spirit, it creates a way, it creates an avenue for God to give and express grace. A prideful heart, you know what it can't do? A prideful heart can't receive anything. But humility, it says in Scripture, draws the gaze of our sovereign God. So look at the last two verses. So he gives the elders their, their command of how they're to shepherd and to lead. He says, everyone else, you're to humbly clothe yourselves with humility. And then he says in verse 6 and 7, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He might exalt you, or He may, or He will be able to exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Now this is the fourth time in seven verses that Peter has talked about humility. And we're to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand. Ultimately, Jesus sits at the head of the church. And we want to follow Him and to look to Him as our leader. That's how we are supposed to function. And we'll never be able to follow 
And we'll never be able to trust our elders if we first don't fully trust God. So first of all, we're to trust Him. We're to submit to Him. We're to live underneath His mighty hand. And then we are better equipped to follow our elders. Because then we can humbly submit to them. Listen to Thomas Schreiner about it. He says humility. Humility is the oil that allows relationships in the church to run smoothly and lovingly. You know, when a church has elders and members that are both humbly following God, they will have a church that glorifies Him. And that is our goal. That is our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is not to fill more chairs. Our ultimate goal is not to build nicer buildings. Our ultimate goal is that when this world is over, Bethel would be a church that causes God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's that's our goal. We want whatever happens to glorify Him. And it starts and it ends with humility. So Peter then ends this section in a really interesting kind of turn of thought. Did you... Did you catch it there in verse 7? He's been talking for six verses about humility and about elders and how we follow them. And then he just kind of throws in this, this other thought that he says, cast all your cares on him because he cares. Now what does humility have to do with anxiety and casting our cares on him? You see, worry is that the core is pride. Worry constitutes pride because it denies the care of our sovereign God. This is hard for me to often preach because at times I find myself, that's all I do. All I do is worry or I'm anxious. But he says, but I must and, and we must remind ourselves that God is neither unaware nor unconcerned about what His people are going through. But worry... Worry is me acting like I could do things better than God. Worry is me wanting things in my way. And worry is me wanting everything to work on my timetable. That is why the cure for worry isn't don't worry. The cure for worry is humility. It's rightly seeing God as the one in control and the one that has all the power, and rightly seeing ourselves as the ones that are in total need of Him. That is the cure for anxiety and worry. And humility is the grace that every church needs. And pride is waiting for us each and every morning to bring down God's people in His church. Every morning you open your eyes. You know what is waiting for you? Pride is waiting on you. Every time you wake up, pride is waiting to say, you don't need God, you can do this on your own. Pride is waiting to say, you don't need others. You can do without your help. In fact, look at how many people have let you down. Pride is waiting every morning as you open your eyes to say, look at what you have done. Man, you deserve so much more credit than you're given. Pride is there waiting every morning to say, you know what, you really can't trust God. And you especially can't trust other people. Pride is waiting to say, look at all the things out to get you. Who is going to help you? 
Who really even cares and worry about it at all? But also there each and every morning, God is also there. Every time you open your eyes, God is saying, trust in me. God is saying, believe that I care about you and I actually have the power and the wisdom to care about everything that is going on in your life, to turn it to a wondrous work. God is there every morning saying, you want to entrust your soul to me because I am your faithful creator. God is saying, cast your cares and worries on me. Let me carry them for you. Each and every morning as you wake up, God is there saying, allow these men that I have established to care for you and to shepherd you. I want to close with a word of encouragement to us all. So first of all, as I'd like to say to Drew and Kent and Corey and Paul, I mean, your calling to an elder is one of the most important callings in your life. Because this is something that you will actually carry on into eternity. You are leading and you're caring and you're teaching and you're shepherding your eternal brothers and sisters, God's sheep. So listen to the words of Robert Lighton. He says, how reasonable it is that we should devote our strength and life to that flock for which our Lord laid down his life. We should be prepared to give our spirits for those for whom Christ shed his blood. If we value what our Lord Jesus has done, nothing would matter to us more or as much as other people's souls. So first of all, guys, I say thank you for being elders and Thank you for shepherding and leading us. Thank you for following Christ as we follow you. And now to all of us, our congregation. A prideful heart can receive nothing, but a humble heart. A humble heart is one that can receive advice, correction, and even warning. So let us vow to to clothe ourselves with humility, to place ourselves underneath the mighty hand of God and to follow these men that God has placed to lead us. Invite an elder into your life. Ask them to coffee. Invite them to lunch. Maybe invite him and his wife or him and his family over for supper. Invite an elder and let them hear you say, we want you to lead us. Invite them in. Open yourself up to an elder. And then pray for these men that God has established as our leaders. Pray for their marriages. Pray for their parenting. And pray that they will stand strong as Satan continues to attack the men of God. So humility is the grace that every church needs. No church can survive without humility. And true humility, it can only be found in the cross. It is impossible to stand close to the cross and to think you don't need God. The closer that you stand, the harder it is to think that you don't need Him or others. The closer you stand to the cross, the better you see the holiness of God and your own sinfulness. So consider today where you would be if Christ had not ransomed you.
Consider where you would be if he had not liberated you. Consider where you would be if he had not conquered sin and death for you. And then let us recognize that every day, whatever grace we receive from God, it is much more than we are worthy of. And it is better than the hell that we deserve. Because humility is the grace that every church needs. So will you clothe yourself with humility? Let's pray. Father, this morning we... We want to draw close to the cross. We want to every day to do that, knowing that every moment, every day that we open our eyes, that pride is there wanting to take us down, but you are also there. And Father, we want to stand as close to the cross as we can so that we can rightly see your holiness and at the same time see our sinfulness, that we would recognize the gap that is actually there and that we would be drawn to humility. That we would not think we can do it on our own. That we would see in every moment of our life the need for you to be there. And so, Father, I do pray for our men, our elders, at all of our campuses. That you would guard their marriages. That they would continue to follow you. As they're in their businesses and in their home lives. That you would protect them. Give them integrity. Give them humility. Create them to be men of prayer and men of your word. And help them to lead us well. And as your congregation, help us to clothe ourselves in humility that we would follow them. And it's in your son's name and by the power of your spirit we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged. And if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.